This is Dan Zhang with Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Today we're going to bring you highlights uh, from this, uh, or part of this uh, panel discussion from the Vietnamese International Film Festival that just concluded yesterday with a daringly, uh, explicitly, sexually explicit film uh, last night. Uh, I can't bring you that film, but uh, we'll um, um, be able to talk about uh, uh, these. We'll bring you the discussion of the filmmakers from some of them are involved with this film. Uh, at least uh, the assistant director of this film is there, and the film is called B, um, Don't Be Afraid. And it's set in a hot, steamy Hanoi summer. Uh, with lots of sexually explicit scenes that were not shown in Vietnam. So we're going to go to this panel discussion. The, uh, speaking would be uh, Dan uh, Tran, who's uh, and Issa Lei with the film festival. And uh, Issa found, co-founded it years ago. And um, speaking on the panel are Anderson Lei, who's uh, Director of Programming at the Hawaii International Film Festival, Anne Lei from Universal Studio uh, Pictures uh, International Division, Charlie Nguyen, Director of The Rebel and Food for Love, James Nguyen, uh, Director of Birdemic, Jenny Trang- Chang Lei, uh, who's the Assistant Director of Be Don't Be Afraid and of Clash, Quado, who we had on last week, uh, Director of Mother Earth Foodie Legends, and Lei Tang Song, uh, writer-director of Clash, as well as a producer from HK Films in Vietnam, Nguyen Nu 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 Kue. Um, so let's go to this panel discussion right now. You're listening to KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The audience base, uh, we have the uh, Vietnamese filmmakers from all the world to discuss ways to enlarge the audience base. Um, um, we are honored here to be among our distinguished panels, um, all of whom I'm proud to say uh, are among the finest in the field. Um, the panelists will discuss opportunities as well as the challenges in present-day filmmaking, uh, specific, specific areas such as theatrical distribution, studio trends, uh, new technology that might help cut the cost, and alternative ways to uh, release and promote the films. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to briefly outline our plan for the uh, panel se- section. Uh, after the introduction, uh, we have many questions from our staff that we would like to pose to the panelists. Um, to keep things uh, flowing, um, and, and I would like to suggest that we keep each answer to about three minutes. Um, and each uh, question can be answered by one or more panelists. Um, so uh, uh, please feel free to chime in. Um, after the uh, panel discussion, we would like to um, have the audience participate, uh, participation and uh, ask the uh, filmmakers directly. Um, if you have any, um, I think the room is small enough, so we don't need the microphone. So just speak loudly. Um, thank you very much. And uh, panelists, if you need any translation, please let us know, and please feel free to speak in Vietnamese as well, and we will um, translate. But the panel will be conducted in English primarily uh, to save time. So today, uh, thank you, panelists. It's, it's such a great honor for this to have you here uh,
who is the director of programming of the Hawaii International Film Festival. We have Anne from uh, the production uh, of Universal Pictures. We have uh, Charlie Nguyen, who is the, uh, the writer-director of The Rebel and uh, Full for Love, or the Magic. James Wynn, the writer and director of Birdemic, Shock and Terror that you just saw last night, late, late last night. We have, um, welcome back, uh, Jenny Chang Le, uh, assistant director of Be Don't Be Afraid and Clash. We have uh, Kwa Do, who is the writer and director of Footy Legends and Mother Fish that we also saw last night. And uh, we have Le Peng Sun, who is the writer and director of Clash. On UCLA Day. And we have Nguyen 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 Hue, uh, producer from HK Films of Vietnam. Uh, did I get the first question? Yes. May I uh, pose this question to Anderson? Um, Anderson, uh, what are the trends you are seeing in the uh, uh, festival circuit? Uh, what are the buyers are looking for? And, and, uh, um, you know, how, how Vietnamese film can compete worldwide? Wow. Uh, <laughs> good question. Well, you know, I think it's, uh, for independent film in general, it's uh, kind of like they say that, you know, the, um, uh, that it's a kind of topsy-turvy market now, that, you know, the traditional space of theatrical is too expensive um, and what have you. But, but I think actually it's honestly an exciting time for independent filmmakers. You know, I mean, you know, yes, there's less money around to, uh, to for financing, and you know, there's not necessarily the the big, big traditional kind of sale you would see at Sundance for like four to ten million dollars, something like that. But um, you know, the, the 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 movement now is you know going into the online space and VOD, especially VOD is becoming a very powerful um, distribution model for independent films like IFC Films and uh, Magnolia for example, are you know, owned by kind of like these kind of super kind of cable companies. So they, they're trying to expand the video on demand on a, a very aggressive level. So, you know, they need content. So I think it's, uh, um, so you see a lot of trends now of films that are, uh, independent films that are, you know, made for a certain price point. Say, you know, the, you know, the term of micro-budget is pretty, pretty bandied around. So... It's you know the, so the goal is to you know make a film for a certain price point to you know maybe revenue share on VOD um, and also you know there's also other platforms like Hulu, uh, PlayStation Network, and and what have you. So um, so that's that's kind of like where the the, the I think the the space is for, for independent film regarding genres. Uh, you know it's still the you know the you know genres of like horror, action, um, you know thrillers that are. Um, tend to be kind of like the uh, low-hanging fruit for buyers, kind of like the obvious, cho- obvious choice for buyers. So you hear stories about Toronto International Film Festival it was a buying spree for independent films, but a lot of it was um, genre movies. And I'm talking spe- specifically films that cater towards, like, you know, the fanboy tastes, you know? So it's like, um, you know, horror and action. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I see the trend is. So, like, you know, like a lot of it is still, um, you know, where... You know, like, 
genre genre titles will will sell in no matter what the market is, but um, the, the the delivery model is changing. So, what about comedy? <laughs> comedy comedy is, uh, is an interesting thing. It's like comedy on an international scale is very different. You know, every ter- every territory has their own kind of tastes uh, when it comes to comedy. So that's why you know action. Like the rebel, you know, tra- you know, transcends boundaries because it's everyone can get into action movies, right, or or horror movies. But uh, comedy is a little trickier. So you see, you know, like it's like an American comedy doesn't necessarily like saying you know, uh, you know, American independent comedy doesn't, or even like something like big like Judd Apatow or something like that doesn't really necessarily, tra- you know, uh, travel to other other territories. So, so comedy is tough. So yeah. that's the, the um, film festival organizer's perspective. What about a major studio's uh, perspectives? Uh, I'd like to ask Anne, um, what are the uh, criteria that the major studios are looking in developing Asian theme projects? Um, is that interest? Is, is still an interest? Of course there's interest. Um, just to preface, um, I work for Universal Pictures, but specifically in the international department. Um, the way my group is set up is that um, we're completely separate from the domestic area. So we were actually looking for product where we're looking for local productions in local territories. So for instance, we would um, work with Quay and we would produce a movie in Vietnam, but then it would only, only be distributed in Vietnam and then maybe some other territories um, where it would work. Um, I mean, I, I would actually mirror exactly what Anderson is saying, which is basically, you know, every territory is very specific. So when we look at going into production or co-financing or acquiring a movie, comedies don't translate at all. Like every culture uniquely has their own sensibilities when it comes to that. Um, I kind of jokingly say, as far as like a big international film, if it has guns, ghosts, a wedding, and a dog, it's perfect. So, <laughs> so it, it just kind of shows like, you know, as long as a filmmaker can look at a film and say, you know, even if it's like, you know, in Vietnamese or in a completely different language, it just has to have universal themes. So, you know, that's love, that's, you know, I don't know, heist movies are very popular, um, you know, and action thrillers, you know, always kind of, you don't really need to know the language. Everyone can get in and on board with um, any of those themes, so. So, sorry, so you're looking for co-production? We'll do. With genre film, with local market? So how, we, much, yeah, how we, much is the budget range? Or? Well, it all depends. We actually um, have, our strategy is is very much a diversified slate. So where you look at a major studio um, on the domestic side, they'll usually just either acquire the film or they'll just go into production on it. And um, what we do is we'll go into either co-production. So we'll work with, um, like in China, we'll work with uh, Bill Kong's production team and we'll work with him on creating a movie. Um, sometimes we'll just acquire a film, like, you know, James's movie. We'll just go out and just buy it and we'll distribute it to specific territories. Um, or we'll go in and add a treatment or script level and then develop it with the filmmakers and then decide, okay, well, where will this play internationally in which specific territories? I mean, ideally, we love to find a film where it has international appeal and that is basically what I just said, you know, just sort of like something that every country, every territory would be on board with. Um, the last film that we came across with is Inglourious Bastards was our film. So that wasn't, we, you know, Universal did not distribute domestically. That was the Weinstein Company with our international group. So, um, again, we only look at international. We, I don't even care what's going on in the U.S. and what it's doing. I just, 
you know, and more concerned about, you know, will this Vietnamese film work in Brazil? Will it just work in Asia? You know, could Europeans be into it? So. Yeah, and I think I want to add to that really quickly. So, and I think um, you know, the, with the the trend of like just a global kind of film market, it's like um, I think the at the same time, you know, I mean, looking for films that are universal, have universal themes that work could work in various territories. But you know what what uh, Andy's division is doing, and other other com- other cities are doing, is um, they're actually looking at you know mature markets like India, China. There's a growing markets, even Japan, which is still. You know, a number two, number three market. It's like you know they're looking at the now the um, localizing, you know, localizing uh, films for that territory. So it's interesting to see this trend of like actually, you know, how you know you uh, Hollywood always buy remakes, you know, buy a film and do a remake for 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 you know um, in English language remake. But you know, there's now an emerging trend of like you know Hollywood films being remade in different territories. For example. What Women Want was just uh, remade and done for the Chinese market with Andy Lau and Gong Li, you know. Um, a couple of years ago, Sideways was remade for the Japanese market, you know, like two Japanese guys going to wine country, you know, because, uh, you know, because wine culture is becoming big there, you know, like Sasha it's like... Country. Yeah, it's up, uh, in uh, Napa, Napa Valley, you know, so... Mm-hmm. And then, like, um, um, uh, so, like, you know, there's a lot of trends going... Uh, looking at... Because, you know, I think the... the, the, the well, the world world film market is kind of still expanding and there's a lot of territories like Vietnam which is growing exponentially so it's um, you know great to see you know like uh, them making films for the local tastes not necessarily making it try to transcend every 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 territory so yeah I, I saw that film, the film uh, by the Cohen brothers uh, Blood Symbol mm-hmm. becoming a Chinese film right which and, Zhang Yimou Zhang Yimou redid Right. You know, for and then Chinese market. very last night I saw uh, Hitchcock's The Birds being made into Can I ask, I'm, I'm trying to think of a film with, what is it, guns, ghosts, a wedding and a dog. I, I can't think of one. Someone's got to write it. Th- there you go. Yeah. That's it. The next big hit. That's right. Yeah. I'm looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. So and, if anybody yeah. has and at least stay for all the films for a bit because I'm sure there'll be some we'll find something yeah. Yeah. what about birds birds and a bird and a bird and a fish a talking fish <laughs> yeah. um, and the next question is um, uh, if I may ask Charlie um, as you know Charlie is a very big name in Vietnam and his films are very eagerly awaited so, um, Charlie, can you tell us more about the project you're currently in uh, post-production and the new film that you're prepping? Okay, uh, I just finished a comedy uh, called Lombui, and uh, it's in uh, post right now. Hamtran is, is doing the uh, cutting, and uh, Huang was the DP on the project. Yeah, and is his wife. <laughs> and Jenny was the uh, the uh, AD first AD and then Sun was the one who translated the script <laughs> <laughs> and then later we'll play in Anderson's film festival <laughs> and then Anderson will you know will be the distributor somewhere down the line <laughs> um, yeah it's a it's a it's a mistaken identity uh Play by Tai Hua, the guy who played Hoi in my my uh, previous uh, movie. Um, the 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 
gay uh, entrepreneur in the movie. Yeah, um, he was really phenomenal in the film. Uh, I hope it's funny. <laughs> hey, everyone, come on in. <laughs> and my next project is uh, an, an, uh, a heist movie, action. Uh, uh, so my brother and I, we're going to reunite after The Rebel for, I guess, six, seven years now. Um, and it's gonna t uh, it's a heist take place from Nyachang to Saigon. All action is like you know every five minutes there's a boom bang bang thing <laughs> going on. Then so yeah, perfect. Maybe yeah. something that yeah we can talk to Anne. <laughs> it sounds exciting, um, Jenny. Uh, yeah, so uh, Charlie just touched base on like it's, it's, we can see it's a collaborative effort in filmmaking. So um, you've been in Vietnam for a couple of years, been working on a lot of film productions as an assistant director. So can you give us the general ideas about the, the collaborative efforts in the productions that you have worked on so far between Vietgill and Vietnamese um, to successfully reach the, a wider audience? Especially the, the, the most recent ones that you've done um, so far, like um, Battle of the Rise and um, uh, Clash. Yeah, could you please? Sure. I mean, I think first of all, I think with the, the Vietnamese American film community and the Vietnamese abroad film community and the Vietnamese, you know, just foreign community. <laughs> I think that um, one thing that's really interesting is that everyone is very supportive. And then I think when there's new filmmakers meeting older filmmakers, you know, there's always an exchange of like, oh, how can we help each other? And like, oh, so, because I remember, you know, when we were doing The Rebel, I think, you know, I know, um, you know, Tony and Tim Boy were really big on helping about like, oh, you know, where, where do we go now and what do we do now? And, and everyone's just very, like, supportive. It's not, it's not a sense of competitiveness in a way like, oh, you know, let, let, let's keep the secrets to ourselves. But it's like when one person succeeds, we all succeed. And we don't want to see anybody's film be bad or unsuccessful or like, you know, unmarketable and whatnot. So if with that kind of mentality, it carries on to like, you know, you know, the new trend of uh, people going back to Vietnam and making films. And I think it's not like, I mean, yeah, part of it is I think there's more opportunity in Vietnam because the film industry is growing so rapidly. But I think also because, you know, when it comes down to it, we are Vietnamese. And so there's certain stories that we'd like to explore and certain you know, you know, sort of topics that we'd like to um, t to tell, and so then it feels natural to go to Vietnam rather than, you know, I remember before I started making films in Vietnam, we would do productions here, and I know one thing, what you know, doing a lot of casting is to try to find Vietnamese American actors that speak Vietnamese really well, or that that you know that could carry off sort of the certain emotions that come along with a, a, a you know a, a sense of the the language. And it's such a big thing when you're saying, okay, well, their Vietnamese okay, so maybe they can do it, maybe people be, kind of believe them. And then, and then everyone here is like, it kind of passes, but I think, you know, for people who are very fluent in Vietnamese to watch it, it's distracting. You know, and so one thing going to Vietnam and having casting with, you know, Vietnamese people that speak Vietnamese, and it's a very different experience because it's just like, wow, it's such a big difference when the person actually, you know, speaks. Vietnamese and grew up in Vietnam and like and has the the culture and the the little idiosyncrasies of language, you know. And so, for me, that for I think acting is like a big part of it in terms of like going back and like working with um, with actual local actors rather than Vietnamese American actors trying to be more Vietnamese or or like you know having trying to get like more of a command of the language. And um, but in terms of um, I, I feel fortunate that I started I think pretty much in like sort of the 
the, the moment as momentum was going with the films, you know, rising. And so you just do one film, and then everyone's friends, and we have coffee, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm doing this film," and like, "Oh, let me help you out." And then suddenly, you know, next thing you know, it's just like one after the other after the other. And so um, I think with oh, I forgot the question already. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just about working, you know. Like the films that are coming out of it now? Yeah. What do you think about the collaborative Yeah, like like Charlie said, you know, we I mean I think it's not that it's the same team that does every film, but there's certain crossovers. I mean, aside from myself, who I I guess have AD'd a lot of the Vietnamese films, but also um Ham Tran has edited like five (laughs) or something crazy like that. And then um and then, you know, um and I know Dominic has DP'd like, you know, other you know, a few and um and besides Charlie's films, you know. And so, and so, you know, I think that people just work with the people that they hear about, and that it's a very Vietnamese thing where you sort of like go through that sort of thing, you know, and like sort of like a family, sort of, and, and sort, of, sort of like, oh, okay, well, who's, who's available, and oh, I heard that he's really good. And it's not even like you're sending in reels and you're sending in resumes at all in Vietnam, actually. It's more like, oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a production designer. Oh, and then, okay, this guy works in that guy's movie. Okay, let's go to the producer or the director and ask, hey, how was your experience and was it good? You know, and then, okay, great. And then, and then sound, okay, let me go to this guy. Oh, how was that guy, you know? And it's not, a, so it's not at all like a traditional way of like, you know, getting interviews and things like that. It's totally all word of mouth and so... I think in that sense it makes it more, you know, close. And then again, it, and there's so few, you know, Vietnamese films that come out. Like I think this year is more like 15 or something, which is a lot. But like last year was eight, and you know, before it was like four, and it's growing and growing. And then, you know, I think like there was an interesting question at the 14 Days premiere. Like somebody was saying that um, he doesn't see any films coming out from Vietnamese filmmakers, but only from Vicky filmmakers. And then we're like, oh, that's not true. But I think you just, you know, those are the ones that you see publicized. But actually, there's a really good amount of number from local filmmakers as well as Vicky filmmakers. And I think that Vietnam is really different in the sense that it's welcoming of, you know, Vicky filmmakers. Whereas, say, in the maybe, I don't know about, like, Korean Americans, how, I don't know how welcome they are in the film industry or how success, successful they are. Or maybe Japanese Americans or Chinese Americans going to actually, you know, how, how, how it is being welcomed over there. But I think in Vietnam... Um, there's, you know, there's also the stereotypes and everything, and you know, this is there's a struggle, and you know, you get charged more for things, but you know, there's still a, a welcoming uh, sort of attitude, and and more and more people working together, and so it's it's becoming more. I think I think it's becoming less so much like oh us and them, and it's really like I think it's about the attitude of coming in and really not acting like you know everything and acting like oh yeah you know I'm from America so let me teach something you know and for me I came in and that's how I started with the rubble like I really came in just like hey you know you guys are much better at you know knowing the country and the language and the people than I am so I'm here to learn from you you know and I feel really blessed and really fortunate to like have that experience and so with that kind of attitude people will succeed you know and there's more and more filmmakers that come back and I think that the ones that that succeed are the ones that are really open to sort of like this new Vietnam. You know, not the kind of, you know, political hotbed Vietnam or like the war-ridden Vietnam or like the, you know, people living grass huts, you know, Vietnam. Actually, you know, somebody interviewed me for the, uh, I won't mention any names, (laughs) but for VIF and asked me, oh, wow, you do a lot of Vietnamese productions, so like, do they pay you there, you know? And I was like, yeah, it's my job, you know? I'm not living in a grass hut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a new kind of thing. Thanks, Jenny. Can I ask something from a local perspective? Sure. Actually, 
Um, from the local people, um, I think the collaboration is very, very. I'm, I'm sorry, Ji Kui. Can you speak louder? Thank you. Uh, yeah, we are welcoming the video filmmaker because we learn each other. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one or two years ago, it was a little bit difficult because the culture is still a little bit different, and now mm-hmm. they are closing together. And um, more and more, the local people want to to learn more from the. the people outside and also the the video filmmaker like Charlie uh, would like to learn the local inside. So the collaboration helped to make the film uh, more and more international taste because before that all the Vietnam film I think you guys watched them, it's very very local testing and now it's a little bit open mm-hmm. and I think it's very good for the, the for the Vietnamese filmmaker also. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, thank you, Ji Kui. Um, my next question is for Khoa uh, Dao. Um, um, how are the responses uh, to your film differ uh, from one place to another, like from Australia versus from Vietnam? How, how are the responses differently? Yeah, I don't think I've ever had anything screened in Vietnam. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, so in terms of the films that I've made, how... How do Vietnamese people respond to it, or Vietnam? Yeah. Uh, Vietnamese. Vietnamese people. The audience. Oh, the audience. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I think it kind of each one has been so different, so mm-hmm. it's been responded to so differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think say with something like Mother Fish, which is you know a, a very kind of art house drama, um, certainly for for the Australian audience, um, they, they really respond to it in, in, in a big way. You know, very differently to to a Vietnamese audience. Um, you know, Vietnamese audience will, will, will see it and, uh, you know, will talk about their experiences, their trip and so on. Whereas an Australian audience will come up and say, oh, I didn't know any of this about refugees. You know, whether it be from Vietnam or, or wherever, you know. So something for them, they, they empathise with refugees and, and who we are. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, say something like Footy Legends, which was my previous film before Mother Fish, which is a, a sports comedy. Um, again, you have such different reactions, you know, across the board from... From, I mean, some people in Australia really love it just because it's got rugby league in it and they're such mm-hmm. big sports fans. Mm-hmm. And then some in Melbourne really hate it because they hate rugby league, you know, and, and they hate that sport. Yeah, so there's not much you can do. Um, but then Vietnamese people would love it because because uh, my brother Arn plays the lead uh, in the film and, and in Australia he's, he's probably the most well-known Vietnamese face in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. He's, he's quite a well-known stand-up comedian back home. So, so they'll love it because of, because of him. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think each film has been quite differently received in, in that way. Um, but for myself, as a, as a filmmaker in Australia, it's always... Probably the biggest question is, uh, do we make films uh, for both, like, for, for a Vietnamese filmmaker as well as for an, for, for, for an Australian filmmaker itself, do we make films for a big international market or do we make films just for the small market that we're working within? And if we make films for a big international market, then, say, an Australian film needs to have a big Hollywood star, you know, in, in, in the lead or, or a really well-known name. And I think Australia at the moment, we're really struggling with all of that because uh, a lot of filmmaking, filmmakers want to make their films, but now um, Australian distributors are saying, you've got to cast, you've got to put in a big Hollywood star. You know, you've got to get, you know, try and get... Uh, recently, they had John Hurt in one, uh, something like... The King's Speech, which is, which is, uh, it's a British kind of Australian co-production, you know, but basically the producer's Australian, um, and and that film uh, without 
without Colin Firth, you know, it was just Jeffrey Rush and the rest being Australian, I don't think it would be anywhere near as big as it was, you know. So there is that pressure to cast a big Hollywood name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for myself, as a, as a Vietnamese Australian filmmaker, to make a film, there is the pressure to cast well-known Australian names into the film. Yeah, otherwise you've got to keep your budgets really low. I, I can make a film with an entire Vietnamese cast um, for an Australian market, but I can only get, you know, you can only get that much. You know, but if you cast a well-known Australian actor, then suddenly, you know. So then at the very script level, when you're writing a script, you've got to think of all this even before you start writing your story. But um, there are a lot of uh, Australian actors that do very well in Hollywood, like Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman and Jack, uh, Hugh Jackman. So um, and being Australian, is it easy for you to cast them versus uh, the Hollywood productions? Yeah, I think it's still tough because they're Australian actors, but they're now on an international level. And unless they're willing to come back to work on minimum wages, it's impossible to get them. Mm. I mean, you know, Russell doesn't work for, for under 10 million, you know, and, and unless it's a charity gig, you know, like they still do come back and, and support the industry. Um, but but it, is, it is much, much harder because they're all, they've all got their agents saying, you know, no, uh, you know, I, I need my, my three million cut or whatever it is. And so mm-hmm. it, it is tough. But, but in Australia back home, yeah, it's an interesting time at the moment because films are being pushed more and more. Australian films require an American, uh, a well-known American established name. Yeah. Your film based on a clash, uh, and along with uh, Charlie's The Rebel, uh, I, we think it's, it's really opened up a, a new um, uh, season for films in Vietnam. Because I think in Vietnam, the, the biggest season for films is state, and just state only. But now uh, it seems like it, whenever there's a good film, people just go and, and, and see the movies and buy tickets. So. Um, could you uh, tell us a little bit about the production, which is a, an action movie? Um, what was the budget? And also, um, uh, would you do another action movie, which is uh, probably in high demand right now in Vietnam? <coughs> okay. It's about the season movie in Vietnam. I, I, I would like that, that we would like Beirong would screen on that holiday, but we can't. Because at the time that that holiday, uh, the people say megastar, Distributor at the time they say it's not good for action movie for that, so they put back uh, push up earlier on Christmas, and unfortunately we had to fight with the Avatar at the time. <laughs> um, Small film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And production in, in sorry, and the uh, question again. The budget and what you do. Uh, the budget. Alright. The budget is. Uh, for me, to, truly honest, I the number as as I know is uh, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and uh, yeah, I guess so I'm I'm not really care about the budget because uh, this is my first movie. I'm just focused on the story, and 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 uh, the action movie is not my first choice because I'm I'm based on music. So uh, um, so maybe I'm kind of uh, close to Charlie and Johnny and, you know, the Jenfield family and um, I a Buddhist. So I think that Johnny and Tony that's the give me the action movie. That's that's that the deep I think because they want to make a, an action movie uh, is the really less of violent and have some meaning there. So I, I really honored to, to, to get that. 
And I think it's, it's been a while to go back to the action movie. <laughs> yeah, because I think that with the original script, the clash was like, you know, 30 pages. <laughs> yeah. It was like action, action, action. Yeah. So it suddenly really put a lot of, you know, heart and emotion into it. Maybe you can call the next movie Abita, you know. Abita. <laughs> <laughs> you be huge. You get to see Clash next Thursday, so like, you haven't seen it. Uh, I love it when Les and Seng say, I don't care about the budget. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, but um, I'd like to ask the, uh, the next question, which is, um, you know, the Vietnamese film is mostly around that um, in, in the previous years. But uh, recently I see um, uh, more and more films uh, being very successful uh, released at other times, such as the Mai Tinh or Tang Dong Bat Tang and so on. Could you uh, tell us a little bit more regarding the effort to, to make a, a year-round release schedule? Um, You're listening to Subversity here. Casey. Actually, the effort um, not come from the, the filmmaker, but I think come from the digital circle. Because uh, when we have more and more theater, so people have more choice. Before that, people just, Vietnamese uh, people, they don't have time to go out. So usually they go to uh, or cafe, and people just come to the movie when they have long, long holidays. So the first thing they come during late holidays, and after that they have more on like uh, May Day or National Day. And uh, because we had new film release, so we we would thank you for Food uh, for Love or the other big film that released uh, outside of that. And then people make the habit to come to the movie uh, mm-hmm. more, more easier. And now we can see that the film, the number of films now is double versus the last year or two years before. And we hope that uh, in, in the near future we have more and more films. And uh, we can see that uh, the, this, this note we just discussed about what kinds of films and they are more action, they are more horror film, and they are more not comedy as before, and we have more and more. And it has come from the audience more than the filmmaker, and also come from the distribution. You also have, um, there are also more theaters <laughs> in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, they are being built right now too. Yeah, previously, uh, I remember for the first film, uh, nearly the first film, the copy is only 20. And now the copy is 40 or 45. You mean the 35 millimeter prints? Yes. Uh, 40 or 45 prints uh, for the for Is that nationwide? Uh, yeah, nationwide, but mainly in Saigon and Hanoi. Yeah. And after Saigon and Hanoi, so they moved to the other provinces. But we can see that uh, Saigon counts for around like 70% of total uh, box office. Uh, Hanoi around 20, and the provinces around 10% only because of the the price, the ticket price is very low in the provinces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mainly in Saigon. Do, do you see the age group that um, uh, go to uh, see movies? Is it um, predominantly uh, teenagers or young professionals or uh, older generations? Could you... Yeah, previously the, the movie goer is around, um, uh, the, the core target is around 1825. And... Uh, and uh, around two years ago, when the, when we released the film Yaiku uh, Tanjes, that means the Hot Kids 2, uh, more and more teenagers come to the, the movie, and now uh, it's, it's, it's very expanded. And the core target now, I think, around 15 to 25. 
the older people, they, they, they just go uh, during holidays and mainly for state holidays again, but the younger come more and more. And, um, and um, some of them, they, they come to watch uh, the Vietnamese film or two times, three times. And for some film like uh, the Hawkeyes one and two, someone watches for ten times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, one more question that you put I'm very curious about um, how people advertise for a film in Vietnam to target that uh, population that you just talked about. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about it? Because I think um, uh, I, I start seeing PR firms in Vietnam. Um, do they help with uh, promoting movies? Uh, yes, now uh, people uh, need the PR um, company to have more and more uh, early before the shooting, even before the shooting. So first thing, uh, usually we talk about the PR, we, we write the article about the casting and then we tell story about the, the cast in the movie. And during, before the release, um, more and more on the internet, uh, beside the <coughs> Uh, we put the, the trailer on TV, on uh, taxi, and... Uh, on taxi? Yeah. On the taxi, there is the LED screen, and people uh, come to the taxi, because taxi is very popular in, in, in Saigon, and people uh, use it very frequently. So there's a lot of uh, trailer um, release. And also on the internet, there, there are some tests about um, the poster, and uh, there also... Uh, ask about the story, so people write a story on the internet. So now the internet is a very, I think it's the key medium for, for advertising. Oh, and I'd like to add that for Baidong, we were also targeting the teen market because they're huge. And so for Baidong, we did a, actually an online casting for two of the roles, for the two of the minor roles in the film. One would be like Johnny's you know, little sister, and then one would be like Vung's little brother. And then we were fortunate that actually two, the two that we did end up casting, that one end, end up casting were actually pretty good. So <laughs> we were really nervous, you know. But it, it helped to keep the hype because we started really early for PR for Baidong, for Clash. And so we, and then, and then we did all these like games and quizzes during it to keep the, to keep people coming to the theaters after the first couple weekends. And then we were able to have like a, I think eight weeks. Six weeks? Yeah, six weeks. Six weeks? Six week run, which is really long for Vietnam. A lot of films, you know, they, some, some films are only two weeks because, you know, not enough people come. So we're really fortunate to be able to run for so long. But yeah, some I, marketing, I, yeah. I, I saw Clash had a, um, like, uh, get a survey on which poster the, yeah. uh, the audience prefer. And then I also saw that my yeah, behind the scenes uh, thing, and I thought that was really a good idea. And uh, the next question is for James Wynn. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, we, you are very busy right now working on the sequel uh, for Pandemic, uh, but you also you are also developing a project in Vietnam. So could you please talk about that project a little bit? Yes, uh, I've, uh, I always wanted to, uh, even when I first saw Tony Boo in pre-season back in 1999, I really liked, you know, liked that movie. That, Song, the hypnotic song, Hung Doi, and seeing I fell in love with Vietnam. At that point, I, I didn't visit, visit Vietnam yet. And so I just wanted to say I want to make a movie in Vietnam, but I didn't have, I didn't have a story. And uh, the, my movie, Birdemic, Shock and Terror, uh, 
It's, it, it, as you know, like you seen it last night, uh, it's a very mainstream film. It's a romantic thriller, very Hitchcockian, and it appeals. It has a universal appeal. It, it's, uh, I was surprised that for the PD audience, I liked it the same way that the Hollywood audience, the New York, uh, London, and so on. So, uh, um, so the movie I'm making, uh, the, the Sea is Rising, it's, uh, it's, uh, we'll self-finance it, produce it. Uh, and it takes place in Vietnam, but it's a very mainstream film. I mean, half the cast is American, Caucasian, the other half is Vietnamese. Uh, it's a little, a little like uh, here at 14 Days, by accident. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but it's more of a thriller. And there's still a character, going back to Vietnam uh, with his buddies, uh, American buddies, having a great time, like in your movie. But it's, but it's much more of a thriller, and the, the sea is rising, and... Uh, uh, the theme to it, and uh, and so I, I'm part of the reason I'm here is just to learn and watch and watch network and build 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 a crew and a cast and uh, and shoot it at uh, over there uh, near Vinlong. That's where my father was born. It's his homeland, and and uh, shoot it fast, you know, because I'm very low budget in these. So I shoot. I want to shoot it less than 30 days, maybe quicker, you know, and. Uh, and get out before I run out of money, you know, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, get out before, you know, I still get my Canon 5D or whatever camera I bring back there, you know, so, uh, uh, so, uh, but, uh, but that's on self-finance, um, I have some royalty come from my Bergamic movie, I have a royalty come in and from my day job and some royalty in my first movie, so that's how I'm going to finance it, uh, um, but the sequel itself, uh, the two, it's going to be done a million dollar, you know, kind of like low budget, the Hollywood way, and uh, but it's going to take a little time, that you know. Uh, so I, I look forward to go to Vietnam and and, and make it, and uh, and and I think I will learn a lot and when and before the end of the year. So I plan to go with the first trip to the shoot two cameras. Huh? Shoot two cameras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's going to happen. All this stuff. Yeah. 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 You know what? You know, I, I shot my previous film right in my with two cameras, okay. like always two cameras. Okay, it was just it was like this, right? Like, like, like a couple, right? Husband and wife. And we shot the entire film with two cameras, right? And then we went into post, and then we had so much problem, you know, uh, because um, the the two camera doesn't match. Even they red, they both red, they don't match. One is green, one is red. <laughs> and and uh, it was you know we spent a lot of hours in, in color grading just to trying to make the match not grading the film because we only have two weeks you know and and seventy five percent of the time we were like matching color instead of grading the film okay so the, when the film came out you know Dominic was the DP Dominic and I were really disappointed so I walked away from that and I shot the last movie you know I go one camera. <laughs> this time we're going to do it one camera right no more red and blue yeah. <laughs> and we didn't have the time and we couldn't we, we, we didn't have enough courage yeah. and Hamtran would, you know he was cutting the film while we were shooting yeah. and two weeks in you know he, he called me and he started complaining he goes Charlie I can't cut you know there's no coverage <laughs> you know I need more shot we need more more <laughs> so so I was very adamant about adding another camera. You know, Destin was producing the film, and Destin go, "Hey Charlie, how about adding another camera?" And I go, oh, "I don't know. Two cameras. I mean, we need. We have two crew. You know, we have to light for two. You know, for two cameras. You know, everything's double. You know, I think it was slow us down more than you know, 
along with the nightmare that we had in post. So uh, we shot with one, you know, uh, and one shot with one. We shot with one camera all the way until the very last week when we knew that we were in trouble. We had, you know, so many scenes and only like four or five days left. So we decided to add a, uh, you know, uh, a second camera. Very skeptical, both him and I, you know, when Dustin say, add a second camera, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I'm, and then, you know, and when I go, uh, I think it would slow us down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good, good advice. Okay. Anyway, we brought a second camera over and we, and we were like, we were shooting for like three hours, you know, and we turned to each other and we said, it is faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's very good advice, uh, Charlie. Because it's and you're in the far away, and you, you have at least two, uh, at least uh, even if you shoot one, half of the other one's covered, and also as a backup, because the camera might it may, may go uh, de- uh, malfunction. And you have a backup, and you're, you know, it's in, in, in a foreign, well, it's Vietnam, you know, but if you're you're remotely and expensive, time costs money. And you better have backup quick, you know, or you don't have a, you're not going to finish your movie. That's you don't have to worry about camera. There's camera everywhere in Vietnam. You okay. can you can get them. You can make a phone card. You can have a camera. I see. So okay. you don't need a backup. You just need to shoot with two and cameras. You just call and you, yeah, and just the But actually, I'm, I'm hoping James will stick with the one camera thing. That was very entertaining. <laughs> 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 target audience are you thinking about for your uh, film that you will be shooting in Vietnam? I, it, you know, there's, there's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mainstream movie. Even though it takes uh, place in Vietnam and it's called The Seas of Rising and the synopsis is three friends, one Vietnamese, one Viet Gale, and two his uh, American, you know, Caucasian friend. They go to Vietnam uh, where they found romance and more. So there's a, there's a little twist to it, turn it, and the title, you watch Birdemic, you get the kind of drift where I'm heading with this movie, and the title is called The Sea is Rising. And so he meets, uh, is it, the, what's the name, uh, Tree is the character of the kill guy. He, he, go up, he has a grandfather uh, in Vietnam, and he's, uh, he lives in Binh Long, near, near, near the Mekong River, and, but he's dying of camp, you know, he's terminally ill, and, he, and uh, I don't want to give away a story, but he... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a thriller. I'm writing when he's down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anything to make you hear it. Walk away with my movie, you know, so... So, uh, and so, when he's... Uh, I can't say beyond that, but that, but you kind of get the drift, and uh, and what I... Well, I can give you this one part of the, the movies that get inspired by a part of it is the, the, old, the Hemingway, Hermes Hemingway, The Old Man in the Sea, and the other one is Outgoing Inconvenient Truth, and... Uh, and maybe a little lost translation, you know, because I'm a Coppola fan, you know, and uh, I mean, Ma for father, and uh, so it's like that. So it's very mainstream that it will sell to the mass. And so half the film, half the cast is, is American, and the other is Vietnamese, and, uh, and so it's made 67 cent English dialogue. And any time where the two Vietnamese characters talk with a major support, they talk Vietnamese, so it'd be Vietnamese with English subtitle, you know. So it's, that's that's how I that, that just me because I, I came from the center. And, I, and you know that you saw Birdemic, and like I try to express my Vietnamese American culture in it uh, when I turn it uh, by, by the scene at the Vietnamese restaurant in Little Saigon in San Jose and, uh, and even the painting at uh, that restaurant that was a beautiful panoramic painting uh, that's in, uh, in, in Kamau restaurant in San Jose of the whole country Vietnam from north, central, or south. And I, I eat there all the time, follow, and I keep, man, I can put this thing in my movie, you know. So, so I try to express that. 
uh, and and so and it worked, you know, and and and, um, and so that so that so that that's just me, you know, and so every director has his own vision, his own way of doing things. I I just made a movie where it's just uh, a part of it, yes, because I, I I think it's got a great storyline, but part of uh, and that that's what compels me. Movie want to make it. Uh, but part of it, it's business, and it's got to be commercial enough so that it sells to the mass. Uh, because the, uh, making a movie is a very expensive proposition, and in, and until you know, all of you, you understand, and uh, and I just can't do it. Uh, and make it if, if it's not going to have any light of day uh, of distribution to the on the mainstream, you know. And then you, just to give you an example, how tough the business is that uh, I made pandemic with a little money, and last year, you know, I. He made you think of the New York Times, and I got World Press, CBS Morning News, all, all that. And uh, this man went worldwide, and I was on on the Paramount lot, inches away from a deal with Paramount. They're going to take over the franchise, and it did happen. And so just just to show me how tough it is, and, and so that's just me. That's my, my being. Uh, that, so now I'm making this movie in, in Vietnam in between the sequel. And and that's my that's my way I want to do it. But you know it's my way. And but I, I don't recommend for others if you want to make a something more Vietnamese and you don't care, then you do it. Do it because you love it. I made it because I love it. But as uh, but half of me is, is, is more the business side, and and that that's what uh, you know that's what motivates me. And for the uh, audience members who just came in, uh, we already asked each uh, panelist a question, and um, we will wrapping it up, and then we will open the Q the uh, panel, I mean the Q&A uh, for everyone to uh, participate. Um, okay, um, so actually um, um, I, we, um, we want to talk about uh, an, an issue that uh, have been on uh, many people's mind and uh, um, so there's have been a lot of uh, <coughs> press coverage recently uh, regarding an issue um, of um, allegedly one of the uh, filmmakers copying his work, and it, it, it uh, has a lot, uh, and Vit uh, has been asked a lot of questions about it, and because we have not seen the film, so we we cannot respond. Um, however, what what we uh, wanted to say is that uh, we are we're on the side of artistic um, and the creative uh, integrity. And we um, we don't condone, condone <coughs> um, copying and, and doing work that, in ways that uh, that are not in the norm. So and that's all we can say right now. So hopefully that that's okay with everyone. And then yeah. yeah so we also want to ask. Uh, there's a I guess a fine line. <laughs> We've been saying that the the storyline is is similar. Like James uh, thinks that uh, his storyline is similar <coughs> to. Um, 14 days. So, but obviously, it's not the same movie. I mean, there's uh, different three guys going uh, back home. Um, so, so what's the fine line, and, and how in creativity, uh, how much do you allow yourself to um, uh, create? Uh, and, and what do you think, like about um, uh, that incident um, uh, professionally? What uh, when you look back in, in your history as well as your future projects? Um, what what do you um, want to um, uh, avoid, or how 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 does it affect you, or how how would you like to um, uh, proceed in your um, projects, um, uh, in considering of what happened? 
with uh, one of your colleagues. Uh, I'd like to ask, uh, especially the directors uh, here, uh, and Charlie, would you like to um, take this question? Uh, <laughs> and I'd like to hear from uh, Livingston. Yeah, well, I look around you know, <coughs> uh, uh, at the stop sign, and I'm seeing cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'd like to make a suggestion. I think uh, I understand the copyright law pretty well. Like in my Bluebird Emmett, Shock and Terror case, the main inspiration was Hitchcock the Bird. And, uh, and so, uh, and you are allowed to, uh, uh, you know, to be inspired and, uh, and to, to, to write, uh, you cannot copyright an idea, period. That's the law, you know, it's international law too, you know. The idea cannot be copyrighted. It's the, it's the pattern, the language that is being copyrighted. Okay, so, so hit Mr. Hitchcock with the, the right, he, he made the movie in 1962, The Birds, with, it was uh, Seagulls and Crow. Okay, and it was my main, because I went to the films of Hitchcock Cinema, I used main inspiration, I made Birdemic Shock and Terror, it's Eagles and Vulture. So, it's an idea. You cannot, uh, I'm, I'm not copyright invention on Universal Picture or the Hitchcock estate. And, uh, no, it's, uh, it's I'm perfectly legal to do that, okay? Uh, but I cannot uh, say, take a dialogue out of uh, the bird and put it in in Birdemic mm -hmm. and, 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 and part of the script and say, on the copyright, I own. you can't do that, that's copyright infringement. You know, or even make it look like visually too close to the original bird. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Birdemic, you know, even despite the way it looks, it has its own unique look way. You know, I mean, the artwork, the thing, and uh, even Mystic had his little cameo on it. Uh, that's perfectly legal. Okay, so everybody get inspired, everybody, as long as you do it respectfully, uh, and nobody will sue each, uh, each other, hopefully. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I have not got a, a season. Is this letter from Universal Picture, you know, uh, or the Hitchcock Estate yet? But who knows? You know, inspired who, by Hitchcock. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, who knows when there's a, when the, the movie it's being selling right now, Best Buy, you know, like hotcakes, and who knows there's enough money, you know, uh, the lawyers will come in, you know. Money is, when there's too much money flying around, people start bringing their lawyers, and that's just the way Hollywood works, you know. <laughs> Charlie, do you want to say any more about... Uh, Creativity and, you know. uh, Sun, would you like to comment on Yeah, that? I think that um, I have a little comment about that because um, before I'm, 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 I'm a musician, I write a song. So I, I listen to a lot of music, like, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of band, like Pandora, Metallica, you know. And we try to, we want to be them at a time. I want to be, you know, rock star. Yeah. But uh, when we face with the paper, when we write it, and uh, whenever I, me and my friend writing something and we, we, we feel that the sound similar to the song we love, right away we throw it away. That's my attitude. So I kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what is the truth um, in the story that, but you know, the, 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 I, I'm, not, I'm not really you know, into that. The way because if I, I have something you know influenced like that, Jim Green say I say yeah I, I influenced some uh, from 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 that movie, nothing to deny. Yes. And again, an idea cannot be copyrighted. Yeah, yeah. an idea you cannot copyright on you. Like a stand, like in philosophy, you use uh, the idea standing in the shoulder of the the um, people before that. Uh, yeah. um. Uh, anybody else would like to uh, comment on that? Uh, 
Yeah, I think uh, there's only probably a few stories uh, that exist in the world, and, and then we're all just sort of finding different ways to tell a couple of different stories, you know, whether it be a, a, a tragedy or a comedy or a romance. And, uh, yeah, so, so I think, that, I mean, as filmmakers, as artists, we're always inspired by someone else, and, and it's only if it becomes too close, you know, that, uh, that it becomes an issue. But uh, you can't help but... But, uh, I mean, Quentin Tarantino's made a living out of, you know, just basically redoing other people's stuff and putting it together into a new film. Uh, and so I think, yeah, as artists, we all do the same thing. Yeah, we're inspired by, uh, by other artists, by other filmmakers. I mean, you know, I'll watch, I'll watch other films. I'll watch Stefan's film or, you know, i watch Charlie's film and, and I get inspired and I get new ideas. And, and uh, yeah, so, so, you know, for myself as a filmmaker, the next film you make, you might go, oh, I'll put this section in you know, which I kind of got from that film into, into the new film, you know, so I think that happens all the time. I think, you know, because we live in this postmodern world where everything's, we live in the, you know, mass media world where everything's an homage, you know, like, like Wild said, like, there's no real, real original idea anymore. And, like, when you look at Vietnam as a film market, it's burgeoning, it's, up, you know, rising, and so, you know... You know, I produced Saigon Electric, and Saigon Electric is the only, the second, the only, the second hip hop movie in Vietnam, right? And you know, like, you get like a lot of like people like on a, in a nutshell, what does Saigon Electric? It's like the Vietnamese step up or something, you know? The people say that, you know? So it's it's so yeah, when you have like uh, uh, an emerging kind of growing market like in, like Vietnam, you're gonna have like the Rebel, you know, the fir- you know really first martial arts act- martial arts action movie Clash was like really the second, you know. Uh, so they're going to have like you know these you know ideas that are or genres that are going to be you know tested in that market you know just going to be like you know comedies about weddings there's going to be you know maybe a pretty woman type of movie for for Vietnam or like a, maybe a, you know Friday the Thirteenth for Vietnam you know so it's, there's a lot of these like archetypes that are going to be you know utilized and you know in, in in future films and you know it's 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 the fine line between you know um, copying and, and paying an homage so and it's really up to the temperament of the artist and how where do you cross that line and um, yeah because you know there are going to be like movies that are going to be very similar to other movies but that's that's uh but you know I mean I'm, like Kwa said earlier it's like there's no real original idea it's just just like perpetuating new reappropriating new, um, um, former ideas and, and just putting a new spin on it so and interpreting it that was uh, the audio from a panel discussion uh, Sunday, uh, April 10th at the Vietnamese International Film Festival. Uh, the discussion happened at UC Irvine in the humanities uh, complex there. Uh, so that, uh, there you heard uh, insights from a number of film directors uh, from uh, the Vietnamese American community as well as... Uh, uh, film people, uh, uh, one film producer from Vietnam, uh, as well as uh, a film uh, programmer from uh, the Hawaii International Film Festival. Um, and um, so that's this edition of Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening. Coming up, The Dread Zone. <laughs>